let me ask you to consider a couple of questions with me this morning. What are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? And how committed are we to doing it? You're, you're probably familiar with this, this phrase. Josh, I'm a little hot. Maybe I get a little bit of feedback. This, this idea of burning the ships, and it's usually associated with a man named Cortez who brought his troops to a new area across the world, and they were there to conquer, and the, the men were getting discouraged, and so his, his leadership choice was to burn the ships. Now there's no way home. Now there's no way to go back. Now there's no way except to move forward. The video you just saw, this version of this idea of burn the ships, those two men in the video are brothers, and they're, they're a musical group called For King and Country. And one of the brothers' wife, wife was struggling with addiction to, to pain pills. And one day she decided the only way for her to move forward was to take those pills to the, to the bathroom and flush them down the toilet. She burned the ship. There's no turning back. There's only going forward. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how committed are we to that mission? We're looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of, of Luke, and we, we left him last week in the end of chapter 4 on his mission. He'd begun his mission. He'd begun to teach and to preach. And when we come to chapter 5, verse 1, which is where I want you to join me this morning, we see that he continues this mission, but as he continues his mission, this moment is going to happen where an individual is going to have to answer those questions because Jesus is going to begin to make disciples in fulfilling his mission and teaching and, and preaching the message of who the Father is and why he had come and the miracles that he'd begun to do, he now is going to begin to call people to follow him. He's going to call people to do more than just listen to his amazing messages and experience his powerful, powerful miracles. He's going to begin to call people to follow him. And that's going to require those individuals like it requires you and me today to answer these questions. What are we doing? What am I doing with the 58 years that I've been given so far? And why am I doing what I'm doing? And how committed am I to doing what I'm doing? Chapter 5, verse 1, we read that Jesus is continuing his mission, the crowd is pressing in on him in verse 1 of chapter 5, and they're pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. There's a large crowd that has come out to hear him teach. He's standing by Lake Gennesaret, or we may recognize the Sea of Galilee, and there on the shore, he sees two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen, that is the, the guys that the boats belong to, the ones who use them to fish, they had left their boats sitting there and they were washing their nets. They were doing what fishermen do when they're not fishing. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon. We also know him as Peter. Is that just random? Is that fate? Is that karma? Is that luck? Or is this an intentional decision on Jesus' part? Does, does Peter know Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Remember chapter 4? They go into Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus, Peter had heard the teaching. He had even experienced the miracle. It said, 
he, he rebuked, Jesus rebuked the fever in, in Peter's mother-in-law, and she got up and served them. And they're all sitting there eating this meal, watching this woman healed miraculously. Yeah, he knew Jesus. He knew the message. He knew the claims that Jesus was, make, were, was making. Jesus steps into his boat, and he asks him, he says, Peter, Simon, would you push out from shore? Just push your boat out from the land, because I want to sit in your boat, and I want to keep preaching. There's too many people, and they're just crowding. Before, if I'm not careful, I'm going to find myself standing in the water. And so, you know, they just, everybody wants to hear. There's no sound system. There's no microphone. There's just Jesus' voice proclaiming this truth over this area and, and all the, the noise that comes with it. You think there were kid sounds then, kids crying and kids making noise? Yeah. Do you think there were kids tripping over rocks and going, Mommy, I hurt my feet? Yes, there were. It's possible there were people doing business even, Right? You know, hot dogs, get your hot dogs, or, you know, churros, or, you know, euros, or whatever, I don't know, you know, pita bread, all this activity is going on, and, and Jesus wants the crowd to hear, and so he says, Peter, would you just let me sit in your, I'm just going to, he didn't ask him, did he? He's already in the boat. Would you just push out a little bit? I want to sit in your boat, and I want to teach. He sat down, it says, and he was teaching the crowds from the boat, excuse me. Jesus certainly knew how to draw a crowd, didn't he? Didn't he? He certainly knew how to draw a crowd. And, I, and this has nothing to do with the message, but this is more to do with me. I love that he just acts like the boat's there for him to use. You know, he just walks under the boat and, you know, it's Jesus. And he gets in the boat and he sits down and Peter pushes out. And here's the other thing that pops into my head. Who has the best seat in the house? Peter, yeah, you know. I don't know what the boat looked like. You know what I'm doing? Okay, does anybody know? This video, this is live stream. Does anybody know what this means? Okay. Ah, okay. I've not been to the gym in decades. We'll just leave it at that. He pushes out, and Jesus is sitting in the boat, and, and Peter is sitting there in the boat, and Jesus teaches. And if you look at verse 4, when he had finished speaking, when Jesus finishes his message, Okay, now the best seat in the house becomes a captive seat. Right, Oliver, you with me, right? You know, this is the greatest, this is the best seat. I heard every word, and you know, this is awesome, beautiful setting. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, you know, turns around on the little bench or whatever there in the boat, and he says, Peter, Simon, put out to deep water. Right? Put out to deep water. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm a fisherman, you told me to put out a little bit from shore. I didn't understand what at first, but I love you, or I'm learning to love you maybe, um, but okay, I'll push out. Oh, you're going to teach from the boat. Okay, I get it. He teaches. Wow, Jesus, that was an amazing message. Wow, that was powerful. Peter, I want you to point, push out, go out to deep water, and I want you to put your nets down for a catch. And don't, don't, don't miss. It's easy to miss because we're just reading through this. What is Peter by profession? Okay. Now, don't respond out loud because it'll be, a, it'll be a bunch of stuff. But in your head, what do we know about fishermen? Just think about that for a minute. What do we know about fishermen? Now, my grandfather was a fisherman. My dad was a little bit, but my grandfather really was. He took me fishing. And so my assessment as a fisherman is a couple of things come to mind. They all have their way of doing things. Whether it's the lure or my grandpa was this, this jar of cheese, garlic cheese, and you had a three-hook, treble-hook thing, whatever, and you made a ball of cheese, you know, and then you threw it out in the water. 
Okay? Others, it's the worms. That was my favorite part of fishing was getting that nice big worm to hold still so I could skewer it, you know, on the, I don't know why it was pushing back, but it didn't like that. You know, and, but he, every fisherman has a way of doing things. Every fisherman will tell you the best spot, the best time, the best details, the best circumstances to catch a particular fish. Peter does this for a living. This is his job, and this is his lake. This is his home. He knows it well. These are his fish. Can I say it that way? I know the fish in, in Galilee. In fact, I can tell you the ones we can't, you know, he knew the fish. And Jesus says, I want you, fishermen, to listen to me, carpenter, to push out and put down your nets for a catch. We're going to catch something. Master, Simon replies, a term of respect. He says, Master, um, how do I say this? I'm a fisherman, you're not. How do I say, okay, let me, I'll just say it this way. We've worked hard all night long. I don't even like telling you this, Jesus, because as a fisherman, you know, I went fishing yesterday and I caught a fish this big, you, you, right? I mean, we even love to take, not me, but fishermen like to take pictures with their fish, right? They do, whether it's a little, you know, four-inch, you know, guppy thing or if it's, you know, a thousand-pound fish. He's, this is hard for me to say, but... We've worked all night. The fishermen have worked all night, and we've caught nothing. And the reason you need to know that, Jesus, is because we know tonight, this is not a good time. The fish aren't biting. How many times have you heard a fisherman say that? You know, that's just an excuse, right? You meet another fisherman on the, on the stream, and you go, how's it going? Oh, the fish aren't biting. Well, that's not really what I wanted to know. I want to know, are you a good fisherman, and, you know, are you doing the right thing? No, the, the conclusion is the fish aren't biting, because obviously... <laughs> He says, we've worked all night long and we've caught nothing. The fish aren't biting. There's, there's no reason to do this. I'm telling you, Jesus, we've caught nothing. However, at your word, at your command, at your instruction, in respect to what you've asked me to do, I'll let down the nets. Now, again, it's a quick phrase. It's a quick exchange between Jesus and Peter, but there's great significance here, and Luke records it specifically so that we understand this moment that happens between Jesus and Peter. This is the watershed moment for, G for Peter. Jesus says, here's what he's saying, Peter, do you trust me? When it comes to what you just taught about, yeah, yeah, but Jesus, I'm a fisherman. This is my life. This is what I know. I'm, I'm, I'll say so myself, I'm kind of good. You know, I've, I've supplied, provided for my family. I got a partner. We got a couple guys over there. We work together. We're known in this area, in this district is, you know, we know what we're doing. Peter, when, when uh, what do you call it, people that visit another place? I just lost, oh, tourists. When tourists come here to fish, they come see us. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, Jesus, yeah. Uh. And Jesus is speaking into Peter's life. He's speaking into what he knows. He's speaking into his, his story, and he's saying, do you trust me? And don't miss this, because I believe this is significant. Jesus asked that question by asking Peter to do something, to express obedience to a command, an instruction that may not even make sense in the moment. Because ultimately, it's not about that. that it's not about throwing your your your. It's not about catching fish, and you'll see that if you haven't if you haven't read ahead. 
The significance is Jesus saying, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that you'll understand what it is and it will connect to your life, but ultimately, I'm just asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Peter, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How committed are you to what you're doing? Peter, do you trust me? Peter says, at your word, I will let down the nets. This is work. This is not today, if Jesus asked me to, you know, fish, I would take, I don't have one, but I used to have a really nice thing with that, you know, reel, and that little thing that flips over, you're shaking your, you know what I mean? Do you, do you fish, or have you fished? Okay, so we're kind of in the same, you know, we kind of, oh, yeah, I fish, yeah, you know. Um, you flip that thing over, and then you, you know, and it goes, it's like four seconds, right? It's like, this is not that type of, of activity. This is going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some effort. It's going, to, it's, it's going to rearrange his day. You remember what he was doing when Jesus started talking, preaching? He was mending nets. He was doing what he needed to do as a fisherman. The, the fact that he was asked to row Jesus out, that was an inconvenience. Now it's another whole level. You're asking, uh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll let down the nets. And when he did this, when they, they caught a great number of fish. The, the nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners. And so we could do a couple things with this. It might be Peter and his brother that are in the boat with Jesus, and they're signaling James and John to come out. That's pretty clear, James and John. Um, another way to look at this, it's maybe it's, and we don't know, but I kind of like this idea, is that it's Peter and Jesus. That Jesus says, throw your nets down, and, and Peter says, okay, I'm going to do it, and, and, I, and I picture Jesus going, should I grab that, or should I? No, no, don't, don't, don't touch that, let's do, and so Peter and Jesus have this moment, and they're throwing the nets, and I so badly want to see Jesus' face, not Peter's, I know what Peter's face looks like, I have that face, but I want to see Jesus' face as, as Peter begins to pull the net back in, and Jesus is just standing, looking at Peter, and Peter, so, go ahead, you know, James and John, part, we need help, look. And, and they, they come out, and, and the, the, it tells us that the nets are beginning to tear. There's so many, and they signal to the partners. The boat comes to help. They came, and they filled both boats so full that they begin to sink. So the, the, the truth is Simon knew fish. But now Simon, Peter, knows that Jesus knew fish. Amen? This is the creator telling fish in that lake to gather around and see that net? Go get in that net. I don't know why we're doing it either, but, you know, I just said we need to go. If you've seen Nemo, you understand, right? <laughs> Simon knew fish. He knows that Jesus knows fish. More importantly, I think Peter in this moment is beginning to understand this watershed moment in his life. Jesus is challenging Peter's commitment. And it's, it's a commitment to what Peter has been doing. Peter, what are you doing with your life? Why are you doing that? And how committed are you to that? Because my question to you is to take that and turn it and say, okay, Peter, what are you doing with your life? Think about it. What are you doing with your life? And why are you doing it? And how committed are you to that? Because I'm challenging you to a new life a life of following me. He challenges Peter's commitment. He challenges his faith. He says, do you trust me? And so in verse 8, when this happens, we see in verse 8, Peter sees it, and he fell at, at Jesus' knees. 
kind of a weird phrase. I, I studied that to make sure that that's a good translation, and it is. It's the idea that Jesus is still sitting in the boat. And Peter falls. Now remember, what's in the boat at this point? How many? <laughs> Too many, right? Now, thankfully, they're just fresh out of the water, because you know, like in two days, what it would be, it'd be different. But the boat is full of fish, and, and, and Peter sees what happens, and he's putting it together. He's putting together that this question, put down your nets and let's catch fish, catch fish, is much bigger than he originally thought. And he falls at the knees of Jesus. Jesus is sitting there. He falls at his knees, and listen to what he says. He says, go away from me, because I'm a sinful man. Lord. Here's the watershed moment for Peter. Peter says, I know who I am, and I know who you are. I know who you are. I called you master. I respect you. You are a rabbi. You are a teacher. I, I, I'm still processing what you did for my mother-in-law. I don't know anybody else that could do that, but what I've just experienced, I understand what you're saying to me. When you say put down your nets, you're asking me to trust you. You're asking me to consider these questions. Peter, what are you doing with your life? Why are you doing it? Do you know why you're doing what you, you do and how committed are you to it? Because I'm about ready to rock your world with those questions. And the starting point is Jesus falling on his knees before Jesus' knees and saying, I know who I am. I am a sinful man. No amount of good works, no, no, let me just summarize it this way. The way I have been living my life is fine. I'm fishing is a good, it's fine career. I'm providing for my family. I'm, I'm probably a good friend, good partner. But it's not enough. All that good stuff is not enough to make me right with you, Lord. I am fully aware of my sinfulness, my brokenness. Here's, here's where my head and my heart were for a while this week in, in that particular moment. It, it so describes how so many of us live. We, we live in, in the busyness of the stuff and much of it good stuff of life so that we don't ever have to stop and really look in the mirror and come to terms with who we are. Now, does that apply just to somebody who hasn't come to know Jesus? No. It applies to those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, and we've answered this call, and we're living this life of a disciple. But it's so easy for us to get busy with all the stuff, and work, and home, and responsibilities, and, and even ministry, and doing all this stuff, because somehow, what are we doing? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I go to church, I do, uh, you know, I love my wife, I, I show, I'm a good employee, what do you do, why are you doing it? Well, because that's, that's what a good person does, right? That's what a Christian does. That's why I go to church. That's why I have a Bible. That's why I read the daily bread. That's why, because, right? because that's what a Christian does. How committed are you to it? Well, I staying very busy doing it. Would you pause just for a minute, Kurt, and look in the mirror or look into his word, which is called a mirror, and would you just for a moment remember who you are and who Jesus is? Is that important? It's important to answering those questions, how I answer those questions. What am I doing? I, I want to live my life to make disciples. I want to be a fisher of men, so to speak. Why do I do that? I want to do that because Jesus wants that. 
Jesus is telling me to do this. Jesus is calling me to spend my life doing it. While I'm a father and a husband and a work, uh, an employee and a, and a pastor and a friend and a neighbor and all those things that he's, while I'm that, that, he's called me. He wants me to live this way. How committed am I to it? Well, here's how that, that question gets answered. The commitment is measured by my willingness to be real, to be honest with myself and with God. See, there's a danger of doing the right things for a long time that somehow that becomes my standing with God. I have to be better than some of the others in this world because look at how I'm living and how they're living. Come on, common sense says that somehow, because I'm doing these things, and I'm doing them for God, makes me somehow better than everyone else, or others at least. Instead of looking in the mirror of his word and saying, you know, here's the truth. I am a sinner. I'm a broken man that Jesus Christ has loved and drawn to himself through his sacrifice and says, you're mine, and I want you to follow me. I want you to live for me and do it in the context of knowing who you are and who I am. Because, Peter, this is not about how good of a fisherman you are. This is not about how faithful of a husband you are or a good friend. It's about knowing who you are and who I am and my love for you. Will you trust me? Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they took. This is not a normal day in the lake. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons. They were Simon's partners. And then hear the words of Jesus. Because when you come to this moment, and it's not a one-time, it, it, it is a moment in our story when we come to this and we, we repent and we embrace Jesus by faith and we enter into his family. We are redeemed and we experience his love and forgiveness. That is a, is a moment in our journey. But it doesn't end there. There are many more moments where I need to come to the reality that I am a sinful man and he is God and he loves me and he's calling me to follow him and to live for him. I can never lose sight of that. And when that moment happens, that's a, that's a hard moment. I don't know if you had one of those moments this week. I had at least one, I, really two, where I came face to face with the reality again, again that I am a broken, sinful man. And I want to cry out, God, go away from me. I don't, want, I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to be around me. I don't want you to know what I've been thinking or acting or, or doing or not doing. And do you know what I heard this week when that, I was in that moment? You can guess, right? Some of you know. Don't be afraid. Look at your Bibles. Don't be afraid. Or look at the screen. Jesus told Simon, Peter, I didn't do this. I didn't tell you to trust me. I didn't make all those fish jump in the net. I didn't amaze you in this moment so that you would just see how broken you are and who I am, how holy I am. I didn't bring you here so that you could live in fear. That's not my heart for you. Don't be afraid. From now on, catch this, from now on you will be catching people. You will be a fisher of men. What is, what is Peter hearing? He, Peter is hearing Jesus saying this, I want you to be my disciple. Now, that would, make, that would have such, such a huge impact on Peter in his culture. There were many rabbis, there were many, many leaders that were recruiting disciples to follow them. The apostle, or, uh, John the Baptist had, 
disciples. People that went, hey, I want to follow your life. I want to follow your teaching. I want to, I want to learn from you. And so I'm going to give up my life and I'm going to be your disciple. And for Jesus to tell Peter, Peter saying, would you please go away from me because I'm sinful and you are holy and I, I'm, I'm beginning to understand who you are and I don't belong in your presence. And Jesus says, would you be my, would you be, would you be my disciple, Peter? As Matt looks in the face of Jesus and he has that moment, who am I? I'm in fact, not even who am I, but look who I am. Jesus, you must know who I am. Would you be my disciple? Would you follow me? Would you trust me with a new life? From now on, you'll be catching people. They brought the boats to land. They left everything. It's a little phrase, but that's transformational, is it not? They left everything. You can put in the blanks or your imagination what that means. They left everything, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. Thinking about this encounter that Peter had with Jesus, these thoughts came to my heart that I want to share with you that I think they'll be on the screen behind you. And I encourage you to consider writing a version of these things down in a way that makes sense to you. The result of Peter's simple obedience, his faith, is that he experienced the authority and the power of Jesus. Now, I say specifically the authority and the power of Jesus because Luke has been using that phrase to describe Jesus' teaching. Have you picked up on that? The people are like, whoa, this guy doesn't teach like anything, anyone else. He has authority and he has power. And when Peter obeys and just puts the nets down, what does he get an upfront close seat to see? The authority and the power of Jesus. Somehow Jesus commanded those fish and they did it. I don't know how, but this, this ain't me. I didn't even put any bait in the net because I knew I wasn't going to catch anything. I don't know. You, you with me? This is, Jesus did this. Because he responded in faith, he got to see up close and personally. He experienced personally the authority and the power of Jesus. Number two, he came, to, he came face to face with his own brokenness. Now, I'm, I'm, I'll just say it because some of you want to say it. That, that's a good thing? That's my first thought. Is it really? You know, I'm 58 years old. I've looked in the mirror millions of times. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And, well, I won't leave it at that. I'll leave it at this. It's not getting better. Why are you laughing? <laughs> You're not that far behind me. Right? I mean, I, to, to be reminded to look in the mirror and go, whoa. That, in fact, I've told you, I have one of those mirrors that um, has the curve thing in it, you know what I'm talking about? And you get really close, you know, and because of what, you know, what I had done to my nose, I've been doing that a lot, going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like, man, I can even see right through the whole pore into the side of my nose, you know what I mean? Just like, you get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I'm telling you, there's very few times when I go, oh, that was so encouraging. <laughs> Is it a good thing to come face to face with our own brokenness from God's perspective, and if we unite with him, Yes. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. And too often, we work really hard not to live in the truth. Peter's act of obedience brought him face to face with his own brokenness. And thirdly, it resulted in him bringing his boat to shore and following Jesus. 
He brings his boat to shore, and he follows Jesus. I love in that video the, the picture at the end when the two brothers swim, and as it pans and they go into the forest, there's a boat sitting there on the shore. It just makes me think of Peter. I don't know if he looked back. If I'm Peter, I'm like, oh, that's like my favorite boat, you know? I haven't even paid it off yet. I got six more payments on that boat. You know, it's like, uh, this is what I know. This is what I'm good at. This is how people know me. They know Kurt the fisherman. This is, this is my, my place in, in, the, in the world. But I'll leave it behind, and I'll follow Jesus. This is going to seem like a strange question, but I hope it makes sense, and I hope it triggers uh, something in us. But it's, so say with me, do you know what your boat is? Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. Do you know what your boat is? See, for Peter, it was literally a boat. But it represented something, didn't it? It represented his life. Do you know what your boat is? Your boat is, our boat is what keeps us from following Jesus. So when I ask that question, those questions, what are you doing? Well, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to make disciples. Why are you doing that? Because Jesus wants disciples, and I want to, I want to be in, in alignment with him. I want to give him what he wants. How committed are you to it? Well, you know, I still have, you know, come on, let's not get fanatical. But are you willing to sell that? Are you willing to give that away? Are you willing to stop doing that? Are you willing, are you willing to change your life, your circumstances, if that's what God calls you to do? He's not going to call everybody to leave their profession, but if Jesus says, follow me and make disciples, and that means some, some changes, am I that committed that I'll let go of those things? You see, the, the boat represents our kingdom. It represents sometimes our security. Does that make sense? That can be a job. That can be a person. That can be status. That can be reputation. It represents, in our minds at least, sometimes our future. I've worked a long time to build this boat, and you're asking me to burn it, to leave it behind? I believe our boat is what we don't want to lose or give up. Here's the, tr here's the reality. To follow Jesus when he calls us to make disciples, the call is going to include giving up what is most important to you. Do you believe that? Yes. It's why Jesus said, if you love this or that or him or her more than me, you are not worthy to follow me. Is he saying, hate your parents, hate the other people? No, he's saying, I have to be first. I have to be number one. Those things may stay in your life. I may, I may take them away. I'm just asking you, will you give up what's most important to you or else you can't follow me and be a disciple maker to be my disciple? It's interesting in Peter's case, or I, I don't know if interesting is the right word. It's significant, let me say that, that Peter did not burn his boat, did he? So when we come to John chapter 21, Jesus has been crucified, he has been buried, he has risen from the dead, and he has appeared to his disciples, but they are still really struggling with the events that have just happened. And in John chapter 21, the apostle John records this. He records Peter saying, I'm going fishing. See, that boat is still there on the shore, and he goes back to it. And his partners, those other three and maybe some others, said, we're coming with you. This is what we know. This is what we were before Jesus. I don't understand what's happening. What do we do? Well, let's go back to what we did. And they went out and got on the boat. But that night they caught. Oh, man, I do want to talk to Peter one day and say, okay, what's going through your mind? 
You know, what's going through your mind when this is, this is, this is playing out? And so they catch nothing. When daybreak, morning comes, there's a guy, we know it's Jesus, standing on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men, he calls to them. You don't have any fish, do you? I don't know if I'm representing Jesus correctly, but I think maybe a little bit, right? You don't, didn't catch anything, did you? Here's what I suggest. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. Now, at this point, I have to think Peter is deja vuing. What in the world? If not yet, in this moment, he must. They did, and they were unable to haul it in because the large number of fish. This has happened to Peter once before. And it happened to Peter once before because Almighty God, his creator and his savior, his Messiah, told him to do it. And that guy standing on the shore, according to his partner John, saying, it's got to be Jesus. Peter, I'm telling you, it's Jesus. No one can do this but Jesus. And what does Peter do? He takes off his outer garment, he jumps in the water, and he swims to shore. And, you, and we, we're not going to read the encounter, but you remember the encounter that Jesus and Peter have? Peter has gone back, and, and some of us really need to, to, to grab a hold of this. Peter goes back to what he knew before. He had, he, had, he had answered the call to be a disciple of Jesus, but in the moment of, 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 of challenge, in the moment of confusion, he goes back. He fails. Now, this comes on the heels of even a bigger failure. He had denied that he even knew who Jesus was. And he goes back to fishing. Jesus shows up on the scene. He comes, and they have breakfast together. And Jesus says, in essence, he says, Peter, can I use you again? How could you deny me? No, he doesn't say that. He says something three times, so we know what he's talking about. Do you remember what he says to Peter? He says, hey, would you, would you be my disciple? In fact, would you lead my disciples? Would you take a, a leadership role in what I'm going to do? Would you? Thank you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Some of us have been stuck because we answered the call and we failed. We have let God down. We have gone back to what we've known before. And I stand before you as an example and reading to you from the Word of God his heart towards you is, will you be my disciple? Will you be my disciple? Will you follow me? In fact, let me say it this way. Jesus is building his kingdom with those who are willing to leave their boats on the shore. Might be a good idea to burn them. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for... Thank you for giving us in your word real people with real challenges, people that struggled with their faith, people that failed, people that said they would follow you and they, they, they maybe even did for a while and they experienced your blessing and your fruitfulness and then they fell. And most of all, I thank you, Jesus, for using Luke to record and, and the Apostle John to record your heart towards us who are sinful, broken people. That you love us. Father, thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us to speak to us, to, to guide us, to open up our eyes to see the truth 
of those questions. What am I doing with my life? Why am I doing it? And how committed am I to living it out, to doing it? Father, we want to fill in those blanks. We want to answer those questions. Jesus, I want to live my life to make disciples for you. And I want to do it, Jesus, because that's what you've called us to do. That's what you want us to do with our lives. And I want to be committed to it so that even when I struggle and I go back to that boat, that I come before you and I, in, in repentance and brokenness and know that your love for me is constant. Your love for us is constant. For every one of us in this room that, that, is, that is here present or listening to it online, every single one of us, that your love for us is constant and you're calling us to let go of something and to hold on to you, to follow you, to make disciples for you and with you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for calling us into this life. God, my prayer for me, for each of us that knows you, Jesus, that have come into your family, that we would fall at your knees, that we would embrace you, that we would leave the boat on the shore. For some of us, we need to burn that boat, burn that ship, so that there's no going back to what you've called us from. Father, for those that are here this morning, and are listening to this and say, I, I just don't get this, this relationship that we've been talking about with, with Jesus. I want that relationship with him. God, would you speak to their hearts in this moment? Speak clearly to them so they would hear the depth of your love for them. No matter what their past has been, no matter what the present is, whatever mess we've gotten ourselves into, you love us. Jesus, you died for us. And you call us to follow you a life of love and grace and mercy, forgiveness and fruitfulness, a life of making disciples with you and for you. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, we lift these things up to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.